Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hard to go undefeated in the NFL. A couple of weeks ago, I said, is it tougher to go winless or undefeated? Well, Believe it or not, I think it's really difficult to do both. But I think the Jets are going to be able to go winless this year. The Steelers, they hadn't been playing well. I do think that uh, COVID issues uh, with other teams has affected them as well. They look sluggish against the Ravens, and they certainly look sluggish again last night. Only one team in the Super Bowl era has gone wire to wire, the 72 Dolphins. And they remind us every year at some point during the season when they toast with champagne, that they are the only team to go wire-to-wire in the Super Bowl era. It's especially hard to do it in 2020. When you consider everything that has gone on, there was no training camp, there was no preseason games, COVID issues, but in football, there's no excuses. It's not that surprising that uh, they lost their first game to Washington uh, last night. They, they looked out of rhythm, but they looked out of rhythm the week before, and uh, it certainly showed last night. They threw the ball 53 times. They ran the ball 14 times. But they're also hurt by a lot of drops. Seven drop passes. They get stopped at the one-yard line five times without a point. Get called for defensive holding inside the 10. And Washington hung in there. And give credit to Washington. Ron Rivera, Alex Smith, the defense, they did the job when they had to do the job last night. Pittsburgh has played down to the competition way too often. You know, the defense can be great. I don't know what I'm getting with that offense. And with no running game, I don't want Ben throwing the ball 50 times. Well, 53 times last night. And now they're in a battle with the Chiefs for the number one seed in the AFC. The 72 Dolphins, they can celebrate once again. And now it's time for the Steelers to go back to work. And... You didn't have James Conner last night, but to get that running game going and 
you can't have a case of the drops. That's back-to-back weeks for that. And that's a really good wide receiving core. Also, the late game, the Buffalo Bills. If we're going to look at the Cleveland Browns as a contender, we better be looking at the Buffalo Bills. They're both 9-3. and three, And Josh Allen had a wonderful night last night. You know, four touchdown passes. He had no interceptions. He wasn't sacked. He was hit only three times last night, and he threw 40 passes. Four touchdown passes, four different receivers, and that's a big win. I know this is a damaged 49er team, but still, winning games this time of the year and doing it in that uh, fashion is pretty impressive. But four touchdown passes for him last night, and he's going to have two more marquee games, nationally televised games. I know we try to shoehorn quarterbacks every week it feels like into the MVP conversation but you got the Steelers coming up and you've got New England you got a Sunday night and a Monday night game Josh Allen has a chance to at least be in the conversation it's really a two-man race it's Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and I believe it'll be that the rest of the season but Josh Allen is now sort of rising above here when you look at the quarterback draft uh, that that uh, draft a couple of years ago I remember Cleveland was interested in Josh Allen. And then my source said, they're not. It's a smokescreen. They're taking Baker Mayfield. And I thought, okay, well, if I said to the Cleveland Browns right now, you can have Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield, who are the Cleveland Browns taking? But both are nine and three, but it feels like Buffalo relies on Josh Allen far more than Cleveland relies on Baker Mayfield. Cowboys at the Ravens coming up tonight. And you can't sit here and go, well, Dallas can't win this game. Because if I said, okay, in this week, you're going to have the Giants go to Seattle and win in a game that Seattle really needed to win. And then you're going to have Washington playing Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's undefeated. Right? And the Jets almost won against the Raiders. Like you had, this time of the year, you get crazy results. Results where you go, how did that happen? And I don't know what's a bigger win. It feels like the Giants going to Seattle and getting the win was more impressive. But Washington is a good team. They border on a good team, I should say. And Ron Rivera has kept them competitive. You know, unlike Dallas that decided to mail it in in some of these games with guys who are still healthy, you don't have Dak Prescott, you're running out of excuses here. But I can't sit here and go, Dallas has no chance against the Ravens because when's the last time the Ravens were the Ravens of a year ago? Is it the opening week against Cleveland when they blew them out? Because this is a team that doesn't have weapons as far as the wide receivers go. And it feels like with the injuries, they've become predictable on offense. Now you're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. It's a big game tonight for them. But it's a big game not only for just one game, but when do they start to kind of hit the reset button and go, oh, that's right, that's who we are. This is a team that was, it was a foregone conclusion. They were going to win probably 12 or 13 games, it felt like. And then here they are, just struggling to make the playoffs. Who would have thought? So Washington uh, gets the win, and Alex Smith is now 3-1 and one this season. He threw for 300 yards. I mean, it's impressive. Just getting on the field is impressive. But then you watch him play, and then you sort of forget all the surgeries he went through, nearly losing his leg, 
Um, his life was at stake at one point, I think, during the surgeries here. And he's just out there. And when his legs started bleeding last night, I thought, oh, no. And then I go, wait, what leg did he have the surgery on? Oh, okay, it's the other leg. But he had some blood. You know, it was the Kurt Schilling moment there, but obviously not in the postseason. But for Alex Smith, and I'm thinking, that's nothing for him. Given everything he went through, like, <laughs> scratch. Uh, yeah, he just got a little, he got cleated. He got a little blood there. Uh, you need some no-brainer gifts. We've got it for you. T-shirts, hoodies, the 2021 calendar, and a whole lot more. Go to danpatrick.com. Also, each week on, uh, it's a uh, website called Amazon Music. You might have heard of it. I have a podcast called That Scene, where we explore famous scenes in movies and TV shows. And if you thought, you knew everything about Breaking Bad and Walter White. Think again, because Brian Cranston is great. He's this week's guest, and it's available now on Amazon Music. It's called That Scene with Dan Patrick. I brought up things that Brian Cranston was not even aware of, and he, of course, was Walter White. Very enjoyable. Last week, uh, a lot of people responded to Rosie Perez and Do the Right Thing. Um, we have Ralphie from A Christmas Story next week, Peter Billingsley. So uh, you get a chance, uh, download it, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's called That Scene with uh, Dan Patrick on Amazon Music. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Mac Jones, he's the Alabama quarterback and a Heisman candidate. He will join us coming up a little bit later on. The situation with Jim Harbaugh, we'll check in with the Wolverines. Is Michigan on the verge of offering Jim Harbaugh a contract extension. That seems to be the latest buzz. And uh, as my Big Ten source said last night, looks like Michigan's going to face Ohio State. And my source said, you got to come out of your corner and you got to start swinging because people will never, ever let you live it down. Even if you say, due to COVID, we're not able to plug. It's a harsh reality in the Big Ten and certainly with that rivalry. But we'll check in with the Wolverines. I think I found somebody who's going to stick up for Greg Williams and the all-out blitz on that final play against the Raiders. I think I found somebody, and he'll join us coming up next hour. Yes, Paulie? When you said he, I was guessing Mrs. Greg Williams when you said he. <laughs> pass. No, even she said, are you kidding me? You're crazy. What are you doing? Blitz everybody. Uh, this program brought to you by the great folks at Masterclass. Can't say enough about Masterclass. They offer over 90 classes on a variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their field. And this holiday, when you buy an annual membership, just because you listen to this show, you'll get another annual membership free. Go to masterclass.com slash Patrick, masterclass.com slash Patrick. All right, McLevin, what do you have for me today? Okay, this is the poll we started with. Okay. Which QB who's under 25, has to be under, because okay. Patrick Mahomes is 25, right. would you want to start a team with? Right. Josh Allen, 24. Lamar Jackson, 23. How is Lamar Jackson only 23? Kyler Murray, 23. Justin Herbert, 22. Tua, 22. Uh, Joe Burrow, 22. Or Trevor Lawrence, 21. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is the extra special sauce in that poll. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, Lamar Jackson won now, last year. Kyler Murray feels like the Cardinals. I thought that they were a year ahead of schedule. Justin Herbert has played well. The team hasn't played well. Two, I'm still not sure about. You know, it's a small sample size. 
Josh Allen might stand out because you're starting to... He's thrown for four touchdowns twice this year. I think week two against Miami. Now, there are times when he drives me crazy when I watch him because I think he still tries to be too much of an athlete out there instead of, look, live to see another play, uh, throw the ball away. But last night against the 49ers, he looked great. Lamar Jackson, I'm still not sure about, believe it or not. And Trevor Lawrence, we always love potential. We always love what we haven't seen yet. You know, Trevor would be like that foreign-born player in the NBA where you watch the highlight reel and you go, I love that guy. Well, we've seen everything with Trevor Lawrence in three years. Oh, if I would put Joe Burrow on here. If you said I could have two or Joe Burrow, I want Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow showed me an awful lot because that Bengal team wasn't very good and he was getting hit quite a bit, too much, and he hung in there. Um, you know, Joe Burrow would be pretty high on the list here for me. But Josh Allen has a good team. Lamar Jackson should have a good team. Kyler Murray is going to have a good team. Justin Herbert, it should be a good team. They're just the Chargers. Tua, that's a good team. And Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the Jets. Man, I don't know. I guess I'd say Trevor because he's supposed to be once in a generational talent here. And I, even though he's going to the Jets where careers die. Um, I don't know. I'd have to, that's, a good, that's a good poll question, McLovin. What else do you have? By the way, what if I give you Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs OC, to coach the Jets with Trevor Lawrence? Would that make it a, a safer bet? No, not necessarily. I mean, but- I, I don't know what Eric Bieniemy is going to do when he's on his own. I hope he does well. The fact that he's that age, he's actually older, I think, than Mike Tomlin. And he is maybe going to finally get his chance as a head coach. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would help, but it's still the Jets. Yeah, McLovin. Another poll question, who is the favorite in the AFC? And obviously it was the Steelers and the Chiefs. Now the Bills seem to be in that conversation. The Mm -hmm. the other question is, do the Steelers belong in that conversation? They've looked pretty bad last two weeks and they've beaten like a lot of like XFL quarterbacks and backups and practice squad and COVID teams. I don't know if they're good. Well, the defense is supposed to be good week in and week out, but uh, you know, your offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain. They, they just dropped too many passes and you got to have a little bit of a running game because I want to keep that defense, my defense fresh And if you have the running game, you have ball control, then I keep them off of the field. You know, this is what makes Kansas City defense good because they don't have to be out there slugging it out for long periods of time because the offense is so good. And it makes the the opposition's offense one-dimensional because the Chiefs are going to put up points there. But what I saw with Pittsburgh, Buffalo uh, looked more impressive, but, you know, this is week to week. And I assume that Pittsburgh is still going to be there at the very end. But if you're looking for a team that's going to be Kansas City, you're going to have to run the football. You're going to have to play pretty much perfect football, and you're going to have to put up some points. Pittsburgh can't run the football. They put pressure on the quarterback, but you're going to have to be able to put up some points, and they couldn't do that on Washington last night. Buffalo, I, I... 
I'm not. I love Stefan Diggs. I mean, we love to say the Vikings got the better end of that with uh, Jefferson, who's been wonderful. Stefan Diggs is, I still think, is one of the top three or four receivers in the game. I really believe that. Um, but, you know, running the football, playing good defense, and, uh, you know, Josh Allen, can you count on him in a big moment, in, you know, in a playoff game here? Yeah, McLovin. Sounds like you're describing the Cleveland Browns. Uh, <laughs> running the football, Miles Garrett oh, yeah. getting after that the quarterback. That is true, but that, that is a style that will travel. If you said Cleveland's going to play Kansas City, and I would think Kansas City would be playing, obviously, at home, and they're probably a seven-point favorite, eight-point favorite, something like that. But Cleveland, if you run the ball, put pressure on Mahomes, and you don't let anybody behind you, you don't blitz people, and Baker Mayfield is able to play a good game without turning the ball over, Cleveland can beat Kansas City. Now, that's a lot of, well, they got to do this and this and this and this and this. Uh and are they capable of doing that, being consistent? Well, that's been the problem with the Cleveland Browns. Like if you said who's better right now, Buffalo or Cleveland? I would say Buffalo. I I, I would say Buffalo is better. And uh, it's because there's inconsistency with the Cleveland Browns. And plus their game plan. I got two running backs who are going to run for 1,000 yards. My game plan is I'm running the, I'm running the ball. I, I don't I don't need to throw the ball 35, 40 times. And I hope that, you know, I'm able to put pressure on the quarterback. Miles Garrett, you want to be defensive player of the year? Continue to do what you're doing. Yeah, Paulie. The Cleveland Browns are nine and three, but they've been outscored by fifteen points yeah. this year. That's a weird, weird stat. Yep. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our good buddy from uh, Pro Football Focus, senior analyst Steve Palazzolo, joining us on the program. Are you going to be the one who defends Greg Williams in that moment, Steve? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I never thought I'd be a Greg Williams defender, but here's my thing with it. It's just, it's not as egregious maybe as people are saying. That's my, that's my biggest takeaway from this thing. Yes, it's what Greg Williams does. He likes to put pressure. Uh, but I look at it, it, the general takeaway is while he's tanking, it got called in. It's a tank job. It looks completely different from what people normally do. I really think Greg Williams, first off, it's in his nature. He would blitz his mom if she was out there, right? But he, he likes to attack at those times, and it's the way he was handling Derek Carr during that game. You know, there was a fourth and eight, you know, a few plays before where he went all out. It didn't work for him, right? Um, but Derek Carr was bad against the blitz in this game. He it was 0 for 6 throwing the ball down the field against the blitz. He was fidgety in the pocket. He was throwing off balance. It essentially forced Derek Carr and the Raiders to execute, and they did. It's risky for sure, but – you're putting the pressure on them to react quickly. And when you bring that many people, you can't buy time. When you look at Hail Mary's, the Aaron Rodgers one against the Cardinals, the quarterback generally has to buy time. And I think you just have to give Derek Carr a ton of credit after he was fidgety in the pocket the whole game. He stepped up. He found oh, your job as a quarterback against the zero blitz is to find a play, way to throw it. Mahomes likes to retreat. Some guys roll out. Wilson retreats. Derek Carr stepped up, found the one place where he could throw the ball from the pocket and executed and made a great play. It's just not as egregious of a play call, I think, as everybody's making it out to be. Well, here's my problem with it, Steve. You can send seven or eight guys if you want to, but my secondary has to know a couple of things. Don't bite on a double move and nobody gets behind you. And I, I said I would fire Greg Williams just for that. You can send your seven guys. You want to put pressure on Carr. I understand it. That's your style. But my secondary bit on a double move, and they had nobody over the top, and Ruggs was able to beat them deep. That, to me, is inexcusable for a guy who has as, as many years on the job as Greg Williams does. I mean, I would, I would rather have one more safety back. I do think that the execution – it's not. It's tough to put this on Lamar Jackson on an island, right? The cornerback, not the quarterback. 
it's tough to put it on the corners who are sitting on an island or Marcus May on the previous one who was on an island in you know, the fourth and eight. He had to grab Darren Waller. Uh, but I do think that the execution of the play wasn't great. I, I think it's obvious. You know, you've got essentially one play to defend. You have to not let anything get behind you. There was also what people were calling a spy, you know, somebody spying Derek Carr. That was more just that guy was in man coverage. And once the Raiders max protected, he was just, you know, he should have been an add on blitzer. And I think if he executed that properly, the spot where Derek Carr was stepping up into the pocket, there's there's a jet there. And so I think the execution of the play, while risky, was a big part of it as well. Do we know how good Sam Darnold is? What, what's pro football's focus, the assessment of Sam Darnold moving forward? I, I try to go back to the preseason takes. I think I said it on this show, too, that we won't actually learn a ton about Sam Darnold, at least statistically. He's going to come out of the season based off their, their situation and not look that great, right? Offensive line still has issues. The playmakers, not only did they have question marks coming in, but they've been hurt the entire season. But you just wanted to see a throw-for-throw throw improvement from Sam Darnold, and we just haven't seen that. We just have not seen a lot of the stuff that, we, that he showed at USC. You know, at USC, he was, as a redshirt, his, his best season was his redshirt freshman year, and he looked like he was just so far beyond his time, throwing with anticipation, and he had that fourth quarter magic, and so many of the things that you that just translate, that seem to translate at the NFL level, and we're not seeing that here. Decision-making, accuracy, the situation hasn't been great, but he hasn't been elevating that lesser supporting cast. So in year three, yeah, that's a huge concern for Darnold. Okay, but how do you factor in a bad offensive line when you're assessing quarterback play? I think there's there's a, there's enough plays to evaluate. You know, even against a bad offensive line, you're still in a clean pocket 65% of the time, 60% of the time. So, you know, it's just evaluating on a throw-by-throw basis and saying, yes, if things are better here, you'll have more of those clean pocket opportunities, but you still have to make those plays. And if you are under pressure, you know, Justin Herbert's been under pressure like crazy this year, and he's handled it really well. And I think what you've seen from Herbert is more of a his arm talents taking over. It's really tough for him to sustain Herbert, that play under pressure, but you're at least seeing those superstar types of glimpses. You all, you just don't see enough of those. I don't think from Sam Darnold. And, and here's the, here's the bottom line with quarterbacks. I think you're either a passenger or you're a conductor, right? You're either a guy that is leading the charge. That is, that is carrying a bad offensive line or an average supporting cast, or you're a guy that needs everything to be pristine around you. So Right now, Darnold, at best, is the guy that needs everything around him, and I think that is a big part of the evaluation going forward. Do you want to invest in a guy that everything needs to be perfect around just to get some production out of? Is there a maturation process going on with Baker Mayfield that we should be aware of? He's just it's, – it's such a roller coaster ride, and we live in a roller coaster ride of an industry, right? Every Monday morning, we have to react to the thing we saw the, the previous day. In this year, on Monday mornings, I have reacted so negatively to stuff I've seen from Baker Mayfield. He doesn't throw passes with touch. He doesn't want to go through his reads. He's not progressing. He hates throwing from a clean pocket. And then all of a sudden, in recent weeks, he's improved in that area. So I do think there, <clears throat> there is an element to that. The, the system has been great. It's really tough to separate quarterback from system. I think the best way to do it is to hold up PFF grade against your general production numbers, whether it's passer rating or yards per attempt or any other number that you want. And so far this season, Baker Mayfield's stats have been better than his performance. But what we saw on Sunday, what we've seen at times in recent weeks, is the things they needed to improve upon. Just throwing a touch pass to Rashard Higgins for that 17-yard touchdown, fantastic. He wasn't doing that earlier in the year. He was playing like Brett Favre, just trying to throw 100-mile-an-hour laser beams all over the field. So just that 
going through his progressions a little bit more, not vacating clean pockets. Some of those things have improved in recent weeks. And when you combine that with how the Browns have helped them systematically, it bodes really well for the Browns moving forward. Yeah, I just don't know what I'm getting. I think they have the blueprint to beat anybody in the AFC, including Kansas City, on the road because they run the football. They got a front four that can put pressure on the quarterback. I don't have to blitz. I got some skilled position guys. It just comes down to Baker Mayfield, it feels like. And then I look at Buffalo. I don't know what to expect out of Josh Allen, but it feels like when he plays well, he plays really well. And you saw that last night. How, where, where's the improvement with Josh Allen? Where have you seen it? Yeah, I called him last night one of the streakiest quarterbacks. And Bills fans aren't happy with PFF because we didn't love Josh Allen coming out. But he has improved in, in so many areas. It starts with accuracy uh, in the short area. This started last year. Passes up to 20 yards. You did not see this at Wyoming from Josh Allen. Just the ability to put the ball right on Cole Beasley's front number for catch and run opportunities. Those were passing passes he was airmailing in college. So I think his footwork and accuracy in the short area has been fantastic. And then last year, he was a disaster when trying to throw the ball down the field. And that's one of those things that tends to fluctuate. It it depends a lot on the receivers that you have. And now we're seeing the combination of Allen's improvement plus what Buffalo's built around him, right? Having Stephon Diggs, having a rookie, Gabriel Davis, having John Brown when he's healthy, guys that can stretch the field. Over time, you're just going to have more opportunities to create those chunk plays, and Allen has done that. So the combination of his improvement in the short game and what Buffalo has done to build an incredible offense around him, I also love their play calling, right? We see so many offensive coordinators try to protect their young quarterback by going run, 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 pass, right? And just they're in third and eight all the time. There are games where the Bills, this is very Belichickian, they, said, they did it against the Seahawks a few weeks ago. We can't run against the Seahawks, but we could pass. We're going to throw the ball 35 times before our, before our running back even carries it five times. That is to the, uh, to the favor of the quarterback, putting him in advantageous situations, throwing on early downs. And this started last year with the Bills. They put Allen in a great position to succeed. If I look at Josh Allen, he had six more completions of 20 or more yards. So his total in the season is 48. That ties him with Aaron Rodgers for third most in the NFL. Only Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have completed more down the field passes to what you were uh, you were saying. Uh, Carson Wentz, um, I thought maybe for confidence reasons, I'd sit him down. and Because what he was doing on the field was not helping him. And I want to see what I have in Jalen Hurts. I don't know if you can trade Carson Wentz, you know, with that big ticket price attached to him. But I this is an exploratory time if I'm the Eagles. Like, who are we and where are we going? And who's going to lead us here? Did you see enough? Like, what did you assess with Jalen Hurts in what we thought was mop-up time, but it became a little bit closer in that game against Green Bay? Yeah, the Eagles are just in a really tough spot. It's one of those things, too. I loved the Jalen Hurts pick at the time because I'm all about just finding quarterbacks and quarterbacks that could be of value. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think it might be time for just a, a, a breather for Carson Wentz. And I think ultimately the Eagles are with it. They're tied to him over the next few years, unless you know they can pull off a miracle and, and flip him somewhere if, if that's what they decide to do. So his long-term mental health and physical, all that stuff is like the most important thing right now for the Eagles. At the same time, you can find out what you have in Jalen Hurts. He, he's, he added a little bit of a spark. And I'll, I'll use the same thing about Hurts that I've said about Taysom Hill, about Kyler Murray. When you have that rushing ability, it just brings a higher floor to your offense. Jalen Hurts is not the most polished passer. He's not going to sit through and 
make good reads 40 times a game. But if you add six, eight, ten carries per game, it just raises your floor where you don't have to be as good of a passer. And Hertz is a solid passer. He can hit open throws. He showed that at Alabama, showed it at Oklahoma. So I'm intrigued by what I saw, and I think it's it's going to look a little bit different. You use him in the design running game. Um, I think you maybe increase your Jalen Hurts value, but I think ultimately the Eagles are tied to tied to Wentz, and they need him to get back to where he was in 2017 and 18. Steve Pavlozolo, Pro Football Focus Senior Analyst, and uh, PFF is revealing a new product called PFF IQ for teams and agents that use PFF data in their aid to build a team, roster management. you got free agency coming up. Uh, Dak Prescott's um, leverage. Coming off an injury, surgery, team's not performing well. So now what happens once these two – uh, sides get back together again. Are we talking franchise? Or are we talking long term? I, I think they'll figure it out long term. The only place Dak has lost leverage, I think, with Dallas is that they might be picking in the top 10. And all of a sudden, you know, the Kyle Trasks of the world and the Zach Wilsons of the world have emerged. And it went from a two QB race at one and two with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And all of a sudden, Mac Jones, too, who'll be on the show, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have these other guys who are intriguing first round talents. And Dallas has that uh, has that other option. I think Dak's leverage is strong, though, because if you look at his career, he's got four-plus seasons of action. I think in two of those seasons, he's looked like a top-10 quarterback. Two seasons, he hasn't. This year, he was on his way to a third top-10 caliber season. When you have that top-10 caliber quarterback, you get him, you lock him up, and you, and you live with that guy. I think that's what Dak has been these last couple of years. So I think the last football we've seen from Dak is so positive – whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else, he's the hottest commodity in free agency. And we've seen teams that with their, with their, with, when you have the mid-tier quarterback, you just don't know what you're going to get. You could have a Kirk Cousins type season, which is nice right now. You could have a, you know, a Matthew Stafford type season, which is inconsistent. I think Dak brings a level of consistency that the NFL teams are going to covet on the open market. And I know Jerry needs to win now, wants to win now, and almost every owner wants to win now. But I wonder if they sat there and all of a sudden you did have Zach Wilson or Kyle Trask, uh, Trey Lance. Like you just, you know, does Jerry go, I could get that rookie quarterback contract and I could continue to fill my team with fat contracts here. And, and get out from under Dak Prescott's $40 million a year. Do you, do you think Jerry has the patience to be able to do that in a situation like this? So, so that's the exact discussion I think they're going to have. And the exact thing, I think, when we sit down and we've built PFFIQ, which is this way of helping teams kind of make these decisions, we've realized, look, the, the rookie contract thing is great. But it's greater if you know that quarterback is going to be good. When it's Russell Wilson on a rookie contract or Dak on a rookie contract as a fourth rounder, that's one of the biggest steals in the NFL since 2016. If you know the guy's going to be good, that's fine. But there's inherent risk in a Zach Wilson, a Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, whoever it might be, because you've just you've never seen him at the NFL level. There's something to the known commodity in Dak Prescott. I think ultimately that wins out. But the debate will be, Rookie, your contract in this great supporting cast compared to the DAC contract. I don't think the DAC level contract is as detrimental as people think it is if the quarterback is good. And I think he's proven that at $40 million or whatever that number is, he will be worth it. Steve, always great to talk to you. We appreciate your insights. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, Dan. That's uh, Steve Palazzolo, uh, one of the senior analysts there at Pro Football Focus. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
I've been saying the last two weeks the Heisman Trophy will probably be decided when Alabama faces Florida for the SEC title. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones look to be the uh, two front runners there. Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, kind enough to join us on the program. I didn't realize this. It's Michael McCorkle Mac Jones. So when did, <laughs> when did we go from Michael to Mac Jones? Um, really just early on, like in lower school, I think my teacher, it was a substitute teacher and she called out Michael Jones and I kind of like looked around like, Who's Michael Jones? <laughs> and then sure enough, I was like, Oh, well, just call me Mac. So it just stuck from there, I guess. <laughs> Who calls you Michael? Uh, really nobody, honestly, like my parents are not like, they wouldn't say, Hey, Michael, if they're mad at me. So it's always been Mac and I guess just my legal name is Michael. So how do you know when uh, coach Saban's mad at you? usually he just kind of says like hey hey mac hey mac and then i know he's coming up to me to talk to me and usually something follows with the lesson of what he's trying to teach me so i mean it happens and he obviously coaches me hard so i enjoy that (laughs) what if you get a look but no words what's that mean Words are coming. <laughs> oh, so, so even if you get a look, you know words are eventually coming. Yeah, it just it'll take a second. He'll just kind of be like, and then maybe, you know, tell me tell me what he wants to say after he looks at me for a couple of seconds. What's your favorite Saban story? Um, I don't know if I have a great like one I can tell on here. <laughs> well, I okay. Josh Jacobs came on yeah. last year and said that Coach Saban likes to use the expression "D's nuts." <laughs> yeah okay so we already got that one and then i did ask coach saban and then he did verify that yes he has been known to say how about the d's nuts so we've already yeah. established that mac so we can go wherever you want to go with coach saban and it feels like look you're a heisman candidate i mean you're okay all right you're you won't get in trouble for this i'll vouch for you i don't know about that but <laughs> okay um yeah, I mean, he, we just we have fun out there and, and talk a little smack to each other, but I don't want to get into too many details. Wait, you talk <laughs> smack back to Coach? What do you say? You, Sorry. You talk smack back to Coach Saban? Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll, like, say out the coverage in, like, a couple of our drills, and I'll be like, oh, cover two, Coach? And he's like, yeah, but you still can't beat it or something like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know most of the defense's calls, so I like to listen, and I'll be like, oh, is that two-man, Coach? Is that cover seven? And we kind of just mess around in that way. <laughs> How did you end up at Alabama? Um, really just in the recruiting process. Um, Coach Saban you know, invited me to come up to camp, and I'd never really been to Alabama. And my family, um, my dad actually drove pretty much overnight to get me a chance to throw in front of the coaches at a camp. And I just kind of fell in love with Coach Saban and his process. And talking with him, you know, being up here at that camp really just sold me on Alabama. Yeah, but weren't you in a camp? where Tua was there and you knew Tua was going to Alabama, but you still decided that you were going, like you didn't see something that you said, I can't compete with, with Tua, because if he's going to be the star, you know, sometimes you look at somebody and go, uh, maybe I should go to Kentucky instead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really just came back to just the focus on how can I get better and what school will give me the best chance to improve. So I didn't really even look at it like that. And Tua was obviously committed before me, and I committed after Tua, and I understood what type of player Tua was. But at the end of the day, I just, like I said, Coach Saban kind of just sold me on how he had a plan for me to get better and develop as a 
in the weight room and the film room, all that stuff. And when you're coming here and playing against the practicing against the best players in, in the whole country, then you're going to get better. And I knew eventually at some point I was going to get a shot. So I just had to be prepared for that moment. Yeah. But Mac, if I told you three years ago, you're going to be a Heisman finalist, what would you have said? <laughs> um, I don't really know. I just try and prepare every day for that moment. And I grew up watching a bunch of great quarterbacks and, um, to be in the talks of that is, is really awesome. But at the end of the day, like I always say this, it's more about my teammates and just winning the game and all that stuff will take care of itself. Cause if you focus on the wrong things um, and results, then you're not going to end up where you want to be. Right, you grew up in Florida, right? Yes. Okay. So give me the good quarterbacks that you saw, probably not in Florida. So who were you? professionally who were you watching and and saying that that you know that's somebody i want to model my game after yeah i mean i like watching all nfl football but i've always liked watching like tom brady um or aaron Rodgers, peyton manning people like that growing up um but really i don't have like a favorite favorite quarterback or anything like that and obviously i was in florida like you said so i was a big tebow fan while he was in college so just watching him play was really cool too have you met tebow uh, yeah, we've talked before. How did that go? It's it's good. I mean, I wish I could talk to him more. I'm sure this season, hopefully I'll be able to talk to him at one of these uh, media things or something. But um, like I said, I, I saw him play in high school and saw him in college. And now obviously he's doing great things. How many how many touchdowns do you think I could throw in a game? With your <laughs> with your wide receivers, okay? When, when everybody's healthy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's just be honest, Mac. I, I, I know you've had a great year, but um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the guys you're throwing to. Yeah. I, I got to believe I could get maybe one or two touchdowns in a game. Oh, like, easily. Like, yeah. like against, <laughs> let's say I'm facing Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Like, I should be able to get one or two, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, our guys are, are making plays and they're getting open. So I'd assume if you can throw it past 10 yards or at least give them a chance. <laughs> oh, I can sling it. I, I can give you probably 50 yards if I need to. <laughs> there you go. And, and those guys are wide open too. I mean, yeah, they are wide open. I mean, that's that's their job, and you know, it's it is hard to hit wide open receivers. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, hold on. It's hard to hit wide open receivers. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Explain. Um. So I, I'm I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's the hardest catch to make for sure because yes. you know you're wide open. You get a little more like antsy and things like that, and. Honestly, when someone's getting covered, it's like more of a challenge to put it in the right spot. But at the same time, there's all that field that you can miss. And it's just one guy you're looking at. So, I mean, it, there's there's a good amount of margin for error, like popular to what people would probably think. Devontae Smith's pretty good there, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty good. Like, does he ever amaze you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, like, not only with the plays he makes, but, like, sometimes he'll – He'll point out the blitzes on the defense, and that that's something that really impresses me about Smitty. Whether that's in practice or even in the games, I'd be like, "Hey, safety, safety blitz right here!" And then I'll <laughs> the player tell him what to run. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive for a receiver to be able to tell me. Yeah, and he's you know there are times when he it feels like he's the best player on the field. That game against LSU, I mean, it just felt like he oh, was yeah. the best player out there. Oh, he definitely is. Like I say this all the time, he's one of the best players in the country and um, he works really hard and he's been doing that for the past four years at Alabama and 
his highlight reel is insane. And I just love throwing him the ball because he'll, if it's one-on-one, he'll make the play and he just has a lot of faith in me. So I appreciate him for that. <laughs> How much did the smack talk from LSU the previous year factor in this past weekend against LSU? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, we definitely addressed it, but at the same time, it was a new year and like, we obviously didn't feel great. We lost the game, um, you know, a close game last year, but we definitely addressed that in our player only meeting about how we just wanted to go out there and, and get a chance to show, show LSU what the new team looked like. And we definitely played really well as a team. So we were excited about that. Can you hear coach O during a game? <laughs> no, I couldn't even, I couldn't hear him. Oh, okay. Yeah, with that voice, I thought that you might be able to uh, to hear him. No. Uh, what have you graduated? Yeah, so I already um, graduated last year from my undergrad in communication studies, and then I'm actually graduating um, this Saturday again with my master's in sport hospitality. And what do you want to do? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I really don't know. Like people always ask me that, but maybe I don't know become like a sports broadcaster, just something around sports because I love sports a lot. And, um, you know, I just want to play as long as I can because it's always just been a part of my life. But how did you learn to speak Chinese? <laughs> so I took that that class in, um, in high school and we just started my freshman year. I guess some me and some of my buddies, um, we just kind of spoke it with our, our teacher and she taught us everything we knew. Um, and I kind of lost a lot of it, but I'm getting I'm getting it back. I guess I have to study up on it. Maybe you don't want to lose that. You you want to be able to speak a couple of languages. How do you say "roll tide" in uh, Mandarin Chinese? Um, <laughs> uh, usually they just like they'll use like slang words, but um, I mean I can say like I play football at Alabama. Okay. Like or Ganlan Chio Zai Alabama. So like that would be like I play football at Alabama. Yeah, you need roll tide. You need roll tide yeah, in Chinese. I'll have to text my. I'll text my teacher and ask her. <laughs> do you do you do audibles? Like, do you have fun names for audibles? Um, not really. Oh, um, so you don't get to go to line of scrimmage and say yell out something that would be funny, or you know, we we see the pro quarterbacks doing this. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, most of the times when we ha- when we say something, it's it actually means something for like the offensive line or the receivers. So there's not a lot of dummy, um, I guess, verbal things that I can do, but there's some dummy signals and things like that, that we use. And a lot of times it's just a play is called and I can check it or coach Sark, our offensive coordinator will look with me and we'll figure out what play we want to get next. Hmm. You got Arkansas coming up. Yes. You can't mail it in against Arkansas. Yeah. Th- those guys, they're playing a lot better. They are. Uh, and, and like we said, you know, in our team meeting, they've, they've lost a bunch of games, but by a very small margin, and their record really doesn't show how good of a team they are. Mac last uh, last weekend, 385 yards, four touchdowns on the season, 27 touchdowns, three interceptions, just over uh, 3,000 yards. It'll be fun here. Uh, big chase there uh, with you and Kyle Trask. I don't know if anybody else is going to factor in. What do you do better than Kyle Trask? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I do anything really different or better than Kyle. I actually like really like watching Kyle. I actually told him last year, you know, when we're watching film on teams, a lot of times Florida was the team that we were watching the defense against. And I just liked watching Kyle play. And I actually texted him or shot him an Instagram message and just told him that I really enjoyed how he plays football and how he plays quarterback. And you can tell he's just a a really good player. 
and he's doing a great job down there. You got to do better than that, talking smack. I mean, come on. You can't be. <laughs> come on, Mac. Come on. No. You, you got to say something. No. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully uh, you'll uh, let your play do all the talking when you guys uh, go head-to-head there. But congrats on the season, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Mac. Okay, thank you. Have a nice day. That's uh, Mac Jones. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bob Dylan sold some of his music. I, I'm always curious how much, you know, when you when we hear of billionaires and you realize, like Mark Cuban has more money, is worth more money than Paul McCartney. 
or Mick Jagger? Because I don't think they're billionaires. And remember when the, the Michael Jackson bought the Beatles music, their catalog for $400 million? And you think, wow, at the time it seemed like a whole lot of money. And Paul even said to Michael Jackson, I believe, you should buy our catalog. It'd be a great investment. And then Michael did it. And then I think the Beatles wanted it back after that. But Bob Dylan sold his catalog for, what, a couple of hundred million dollars here? Yeah, Paulie? According to Rolling Stone, that means all future earnings off Bob Dylan's music will go to somebody else. Like, if it's in a streamed, if it's in a movie, if it's in a commercial, going forward in perpetuity, Bob Dylan gets no more. He could record new music, and he owns any new music he does. Oh, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to use his new music, but uh, he certainly had. But, like, I'm always curious what they use a song for. And, and you know, what what is the commercial, and then you're going to use one of these songs for it. That That's where it's always, uh, you know, kind of interesting. Yes, Todd? You mean, like, depend undergarments, and they're like, how does it feel? <laughs> you don't want That's not what it was made for, that song. <laughs> Can't have that. That's disrespectful. There's one like a Nobel Peace Prize, or whatever award they gave him that he didn't show up for. You got you got any other ones there with Dylan songs? I would to work you, on that. You got one, McLovin? Well, yeah, uh, we we're talking about a heart rate is going to fall for a wiper company. Is great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rainex. Rainex is going to have Dylan. How much would it cost to use Dylan's song, or just a portion of a song, a clip from a song? Ask Darius. <laughs> oh, yeah. My boy, Darius Rucker. He got dinged. Oh, the blowfish got dinged. Um, we were in Vegas, and uh, they were getting ready to do a show, and then their manager, Rusty, says, hey, everybody, come here into a, a hotel room. And uh, I was there, and then he said, oh, you can come in. You can hear this. And all of a sudden, he says, um, we owe Bob Dylan $200,000. And I, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be good. They they took a line or two from Tangled Up in Blue from Bob Dylan. And Bob's lawyer said, uh, that'll cost you 200 k We appreciate the yes, check. Yes, thank uh, you. You can make that check payable to... And then Darius, you know, a couple of decades later, you know, records uh, what is, Wagon Wheel, written by Bob Dylan... And here he is making Bob Dylan even more money, but it cost him two, it cost Hooting the Blowfish $200,000 to uh, take a little snippet out of that with Bob Dylan. Yeah, McLevin. Do you think it's fair that like the great musicians of the 70s, do you get sad when their songs are in commercials? I don't know if Led Zeppelin is in car commercials, but it seems like a commercialization of a great rebellious rock movement when you hear like, you know, like a Dylan song in a car ad is going to be depressing. Um, well, I got tired of Bob Seger's Like a Rock, but I didn't think, I didn't look down upon Bob Seger because he sold that clip to whatever that was, Chevy or Ram or Ford, you know, like like a rock. But, um, I mean, after a while, if, if you didn't cash in musically in a certain period of time, like after the 90s, it felt like musicians weren't cashing in on making money the way they once did, certainly with, with records. And if you... We're able to make money. Great. If you weren't and you want to sell it, great. It's yours. You own it. Um, and if they're comfortable with giving it to a truck company, who am I? Oh, hey, you're ruining that song for me. Well, it's your song. Do whatever you want. Yeah, see. Right. Yeah, it's not your song. It's my song. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to make a living. So. 
Sorry. <laughs> and then Stevie Nicks, I think, just sold a portion of her music catalog for $100 million. And that's just a portion of her catalog. Yes, Paul. There's an episode of that great show, Mad Men, where the guys from the advertising agency go to a Rolling Stones concert, and they're trying to talk to the management of the Rolling Stones about using one of their songs in a car commercial. And the other people are like, that would never happen. A, a group would never do that. This is this is their their heart and soul. They'll never do that. And they, they go away, and they don't get it. But it's they're kind of poking fun, the Mad Men episode, like, this is going to be the future. But look what happened back then when we tried to do it with the Rolling Stones. I'm going to guess this audience is going to be all in on this. If you want to tweet or uh, email or dial us up, if you were thinking of uh, Bob Dylan songs that could be used, uh, Fritzy came up with if you have kidney stones and it's a kidney health medication, like a Rolling Stone, would be. Uh, that could fit. Yeah, it okay. would work. Yeah. You could do Weight Watchers and uh, Ballad of a Thin Man. Okay. <laughs> that would work. Um, yes, McLovin. How about Downey tangled up in blue? No, that's not good. That's not good. No, I don't think. Well, I mean, if you look, it depends on how badly you want to put the song in there. Yeah. Yeah. McLovin. I, I think we should fight against this. Like, like the times they are changing. These are counterculture songs against the man. Commercial songs are the man. Like the it's timexes, like, they are a change. <laughs> yes. Like it's only yeah. washes out the meaning of everything Bob Dylan meant. 60 years yeah ago, but if he's okay with it then we should be okay with it yeah like he's the one that sold it he's the one that actually yeah why like, like you're ahead, you're it. really serious about this mclovin yeah rock and roll music was supposed to be about giving it to the man you know woodstock you know and the vietnam war it may now not it's pay the like, bills for some of these musicians i mean not yeah, all but of it was them. never about art was never about paying the bills until about the year 2000 when art and commerce got completely screwed up together there, I said it. No. Say that to an artist. Yeah, art was never about paying the bills. You should tell that to the artist. Hey, I'm dead miss, serious. In the miss. 70s and the 80s, it was about the art. It wasn't about the money. I mean, like, honestly, this is the way America used to be. Yes, Todd. What are we going to do when they have Stevie Nicks stand back? Ulcerative colitis. I have no time for you. I got to get on stage. Then it's going to be a very, very awkward thing. You don't like that one. Mm. Stand back. You never see those commercials. Not today, Crohn's disease. I got to meet it. <laughs> Put their hand up. <laughs> Stand back. Yes, Paulie. Hey, Mr. Tangerine Man. I, I don't want to make you upset, Andrew, but the Tangerine Foundation of America, they're they're right there. They're poised. <laughs> well, you'd have to alter the lyrics. I do love that one uh, commercial, though, where the, the woman's got, uh, and it might be colitis or something like that, and like she's in a band and she's the lead singer of a oh, band. Oh, yeah, and the they band can't is, find like, her. Playing, looking around for her. Like, where's Janice? I can't. Yeah, hell is she? They're oh, starting to breathe. <laughs> the Humera band. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. It's time to throw stuff at us. Can we get her out of the bathroom, for God's sake? Yeah. Oh, speaking of musicians, uh, the 40th anniversary. Does that sound right? When uh, Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football announced the death of John Lennon. And this is how it sounded on ABC. I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. 
Frank Gifford, the former football player, was the play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football, and he is saying to Howard Cosell, no, we have to do this. And Howard is thinking, maybe you have somebody from the news desk and you break into programming or you go to them with this special report. And Howard Cosell at the time was as big, if not bigger, than any other TV personality. And, you know, at the time, you know, there's no CNN. There's there, there's no 24-hour news. And the fact that you had Howard Cosell delivering that news on Monday night, and I think Howard at the time during the commercial break was saying, the game is too close. And Howard, I think, eventually realized the magnitude of John Lennon being shot, that this wasn't about a football game. This was about something larger than that. But Monday Night Football and the importance of Monday Night Football and Howard Cosell, that it didn't seem out of the ordinary, at least for me as I'm watching the game, that John Lennon had just been shot and that Howard Cosell was telling me that John Lennon had just been shot. But the fact that you had Frank Gifford saying, no, no, you have to do it. And I think Howard is saying with his news judgment, maybe we should have Peter Jennings or somebody else from the ABC News desk with with this, or if there was more information. At the time, there wasn't more information. And then once Monday night ended and then, you know, the news programs took over. But back then, you know, you didn't you didn't have that ability. If, if you had CNN, it was in the embryonic stages. I'm guessing, uh, but you know, it, you were still looking at ABC, NBC, and CBS for your news back then. But that was 40 years ago tonight that uh, John Lennon was murdered outside of his uh, apartment building, the Dakota. And uh, John Madden lived there. I, I don't know if John still has a place there, but uh, you know, Yoko still lives there, but John Madden had a uh, place in the Dakota. And it's right off of uh, Central Park. And uh, as you go outside the Dakota, and beautiful apartment building, and uh, you go down into the park and there's strawberry fields that uh, Yoko had set up. So right off the exit, uh, as you're coming out of the park, uh, there's the, uh, the memorial, the tribute to uh, strawberry fields. Yeah, McLevin. Uh, Barbara Streisand lived next door to the Dakota, and I know that because I've been in her her, her apartment. Jeez, I know. We I don't know. It's still one of those bizarro stories when you told us, and I don't even know how you told us because it's not like you you don't drink, so it's not like you go, hey, you know, I never told you this story. <laughs> I don't know how that came up. Where all of a sudden you said, uh, my friend was house sitting for Barbara Streisand, right? And then he invited you over. I think it's because the friend is still a, an avid listener in L.A. and sends, shows, sends notes to the show all the time and uh, actually asked me to bring it up once. Uh, but uh, you've never gone weird science and put bras on your head with your buddies and tried to do something? No. <laughs> Not in Barbara Streisand's apartment. Like, what, what leads you to go, you know what I'm thinking of doing? What are you thinking of doing? Well, I don't know. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't know. I'm thinking of putting Barbara Streisand's bra on my head. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yes, Eden. I don't know what led Andrew to that decision, but it was brilliant. It was absolutely genius, and I'm so happy that he did because it's an all-time great story. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. Nobody else has this story. Correct. I don't know, like, it, would anybody here not put Barbara Streisand's bra on their head given the opportunity? Ooh, I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> thing. <laughs> <Okay>. Question. <laughs> 
Seaton clearly mm. would. I mean, he would have been the third. We would have had to find a third broad. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> I just can't imagine what was going through your mind where of all the things that you could do in Barbara Streisand's apartment, you're thinking of putting a bra on your head. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Oh. And here Seaton and I were thinking, we're the only ones who have done really, really stupid things. But no, that one's up there. That one's a pretty good one. I think it's fantastic. Yes, Paulie. I'm so proud of you, Andrew. <laughs> is it better or worse that Andrew doesn't have a picture of him doing it? Would it be better that he had it, or is it the mystery? Be I think the mystery. Just imagining, like, you know, Denver's airport has the, the cones. If you've ever flown in there, it's like, it, it, it looks like, you know, 25 of Madonna's bras. You know, they're just sticking up these cones. And I could just see that with McLovin. It looked like ears that he had with uh, Babs's uh, bra. Yes, Todd. And no fear of like, you know, leaving fingerprints or what if she's like obsessive compulsive and you didn't put it back in the exact spot that it was in. I don't know if she would have. (laughs) I don't know if she would have, you know, like CSI come in. Someone move my bra half an inch to the left. Dust for prints here. Yes, Paulie. Like, like people like Barbara Streisand and Mariah Carey probably have so much money. They have a, a monthly bra sweep. Someone (laughs) comes in and sweeps the whole apartment, Mm. checks for prints, checks for DNA. Well, everybody would have security cameras now, but back then, you know, Babs didn't have a security camera. God, such a great story. I mean, you stole a hat out of Charles Barkley's hat, uh, in a car yes. at a driving range, but that yes. doesn't even come close to this. That's really the two stories I got. And when I broke my glasses on the show, that's about the three things in the, uh, in the obituary for Andrew Perlock. He, ste- he, didn't, he didn't steal the bra. He put it back. Right? So he's not like a kleptomaniac. It was just the Barkley hat. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming he put it back no. in the drawer. No, I put it back. I didn't realize that she might be dusting for fingerprints. It never <laughs> dawned on me. Sorry, but... <laughs> right. Because when you get back from LA, you got to check your bras, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's, it's such a great story. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aaron McMahon he, uh, covers the Michigan Wolverines for the Ann Arbor News and MLive.com. And we got drama this week. At least it feels like that, Aaron. There's normally drama leading up to Ohio State and Michigan. And I got so many questions here. As of right now, is Michigan practicing? They are. Yeah, they started limited workouts on Monday. Uh, they're expected to do the same today. Um, but the, the chances of the game happening still, I, I'd say 50-50 at this point. Why is that? Uh, a combination of things. I mean, Michigan was a banged-up team before they hit the COVID outbreak last week. Uh, and then, and then they, they're expected to lose anywhere between 12 to 14 guys from coronavirus. And then it still remains unclear how many guys have been um, out because of contract contact tracing. So Michigan's a, um, you know, they're a depleted t- roster at this point, depleted team. They may not have their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara, either Saturday. Uh, so there's, there's just a lot of uncertainty around this program at this point. Who would make the decision to play or not to play? Uh, Michigan said it's on their, their doctors. Uh, they've, ta- they've taken a pretty cautious approach to this whole thing uh, from, from the get-go. Um, you know, they've been following Big Ten protocols. Um, but it, it's unclear at this point, too, how many, how many positive players they've had. You know, we've got, we got a department-wide number on last week on Friday, but Michigan's football program hasn't specifically said. So we're, we're still unsure. Um, but Michigan has said they, they've left the decision in the hands of their doctors and medical personnel. Any word from Jim Harbaugh in the last 24 hours? No, he was expected to talk to us today at noon. Uh, that has since been canceled here in the last 10 minutes. Uh, so that's, that's not good news if you're looking, if you're anticipating a game on Saturday, because we thought maybe that Michigan getting back in, into, into workouts on Monday was a step toward them playing. Uh, while, they're, while they are going to continue workouts today, uh, they're still going to remain limited. And what, my understanding is that that's just helmets and, and not pads. Separate fact from fiction, if you can, because there was a report over the weekend that maybe Harbaugh was looking towards the NFL. And then uh, I I saw a report uh, that maybe uh, Michigan's looking at extending Jim Harbaugh's contract here. 
Where do we stand with the future of Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, the contract extension is no surprise. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, even before the season, told us that there were discussions between him and Michigan's athletic director, Warren Manuel, uh, about an extension. Uh, they were tabled, that he said, because of the coronavirus concerns and the athletic department's finances. Uh, so that's not a huge surprise. Um, but it certainly it, it's a different situation now. Now that Michigan's off to a two and four start, there's a lot of questions swirling. Two and six start, excuse me. A lot of questions swirling about his, his you know, his status and whatnot. Um, but it's 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 a it's an interesting pr- predicament here because I think at the end of the day, and I've said this before, Michigan I don't think is interested in firing Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you know, they, they, there's too much respect there. He's had he's had he provided stability to this Michigan football program, and I think they like that. Um, but, you know, in regards to success, I you know I think most folks would agree that Michigan uh, hasn't hasn't gotten them over the hump. They haven't reached the, the pinnacle of the Big Ten. They haven't gotten the playoff. And I think that that, that irks some folks. Uh, so it, it does sound like Michigan has extended a contract extension to Harbaugh. I would not be surprised if it's for fewer years and less money than he was making before. Um, but I, I don't think Michigan's ready to walk away from Jim just yet. Well, Michigan might not be willing. But what about that fan base? What about the boosters, the alumni? It's yeah, it's starting to grow. There, there has been some more, you know, criticism, especially the last few weeks, given Michigan's start to this season. Um, and and I wouldn't say that was the case as, as much before the season started. Um, you still had a you know, large faction of folks that were happy with Jim Harbaugh and the job he had done. Because you got to remember, I mean, Michigan's program has by and large been relatively clean. They've been, you know, the, the negative headlines have not been there. Um, the stability has been there. They've won enough games. Remember, Jim Harbaugh, you know, while he hasn't gotten Michigan to the Big Ten championship, he's won about 70 percent of his games. He's coached. Uh, so they win more than they lose. Um, so yeah, there is, a, there was a growing faction that, that liked him and still wanted him there. And I still, I still, I still believe that Michigan um, by and large, uh, is happy with the job he's done, but yeah, the fan base and, and the boosters are starting to grow, um, you know, frustrated. I think at the lack of lack of results. If I said to the fan base, Michigan plays Ohio state or Michigan does not play Ohio state. What do you think the fan base would vote for? I'll go off based off my emails and what I've seen, I've gotten on social media. It, it seems like a majority of the fan base does not want to play Saturday's game because of the, the fear of what could happen. And when I say that, I mean them getting blown out to epic proportions and it's, it's not out of the, you know, the, the realm of possibility. In the last few years, Michigan, who has a, arguably, you know, a better team than they have this year, uh, they, they struggled. Uh, and going in there this, 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 you know, this year, uh, perhaps with down their third string quarterback, uh, I don't think the expectations are, are for you know them to, to keep it close. So the fan base, I don't think wants Saturday's game to happen. Uh, they're they're ready for the season to theoretically to, to end, and then kind of. But I think there's the clarity desired there too. They they want to know what's going to go happen with Jim Harbaugh, whether he stays or whether he goes. Um, and I think that's what's made this this week so interesting. But also, you could ruin Ohio State's season in qualifying for the Big Ten unless it feels like the Big Ten is going to do whatever they can to crown. Ohio State, a Big Ten champ or, you know, whatever it is so they can, you know, qualify for the playoffs or whatever is going to be, you know, added to this. But could you see Michigan, could could you see Michigan opting to do that where we don't play them, therefore we can't get blown out and we could do some damage to Ohio State in the Big Ten race? I, I think the first two things are valid. I don't know if there's an inkling behind the scenes, at least within the program to, you know, quote unquote, destroy Ohio State season. Uh, I, I don't from note from, you know, dealing with Jim Harbaugh the last couple of years and the way he operates. I, I don't think that's the case. I think I think generally, if you ask Jim Harbaugh, I think he'd want to play this game. Uh, he'd prefer to. 
Um, I know there's a desire to practice, you know, uh, last late last week and even play last weekend's game. Uh, but Michigan's medical doctors thought it thought otherwise. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to address that just because, yes, there, I think there's a segment of the fan base that would like that just because they haven't been able to beat them the last couple of years. Um, but I, I think to, to say that, you know, the, the folks inside the program necessarily want to destroy Ohio State's season, I think it would be inaccurate. And like you said, I think the Big Ten is ready to step in and, and make sure that, you know, Ohio State does play a sixth game or amends the rules entirely and lets them into the Big Ten title game next week, for, you know, having only played five games. Man, it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. And I don't believe for a second Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to play this game. Uh, He might deep down know that this could really, you know, this could be really embarrassing. But, I, you know, the competitor is I've known Harbaugh 30 years. I just can't imagine. And his dad, I can't imagine that he would go, you know what, let's take the easy way out and not play. That doesn't mean they might not play this game due to COVID, but I don't think for a second that Harbaugh would allow that. Uh, should be a next uh, interesting next couple of days there for you, Aaron. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Aaron McMahon. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 